It's only mid-January, but if Manchester City beat Chelsea at the Etihad on Saturday, the idea that we still have a title race in the Premier League might start to look ever more fanciful. It's Pep Guardiola versus Thomas Tuchel in a battle between the best players oil money can buy. I'm Kevin Hatchard, and this is Football Only Better. late to wish you all happy new year but i'm going to do it anyway happy new year uh, joining me for our first show of 2022 is of course my regular wingman mark o'hare uh, mark city produced one of their best displays of the season at stamford bridge in the reverse fixture as they took all three points if they win again here they'll go 13 points clear of chelsea so there's a hell of a lot at stake yeah, there is uh, probably more so for Chelsea than City. They've got that wriggle room now, and I think Stinch has touched on it in previous podcasts that their their schedule from here is is reasonably kind with all the biggest games probably out of the way in terms of away trips, and they seem to be in that kind of groove at the minute as well. Fourteen wins from fifteen across all competitions going back to the start of November 11 on the spin in the Premier League includes wins at Old Trafford and the Emirates beat Leicester at home as well uh, not the easiest schedule but also you know they would have been heavily favourited in, in all of those matches but uh, you look at the price this weekend around 1.72 um, I was quite surprised they were 2.08 in this match last season but there are a lot of caveats to that price and you can kind of get to, to that 1.72 from that 2.08 pretty quickly when you remember that uh, there was no fans at the Etihad uh, City made nine changes going into that game with the Champions League semi-final second leg on the horizon as well uh, they did take the lead in that game Aguero they missed the penalty and they kind of lost the game in the second half but um, yeah I, I think City at the current price are probably justified really uh, I think there is much more in their favour at the moment than, than for Chelsea um, obviously we've seen in the matches that really matter against elite opposition that game at Stamford Bridge, they were they were dominant, should have won by more than the one goal margin against Liverpool at Anfield. They were very good. Team news wise is, is looking okay. Um, Mares at AFCON, but they know they've had COVID issues, but Stones is due back, Foden's due back. We don't know how badly they've been affected by COVID, but it seems to be reasonably okay. Data wise, they've been in a league of their own, as we've talked about many, many times as well. And then you look and compare to Chelsea, who had to, admittedly, it was reasonably serene against Spurs on Wednesday night, but still there's the inconvenience of playing Wednesday night in a cup type, cup final away at your rivals and then having to play this game with the early kickoff on Saturday is a quick turnaround uh, that's a negative for me um, and also just team news wise as well you know you're missing Mendy you're missing James you're missing Chilwell two really influential wing backs and you're one of the best keepers in the league so far this season. So, yeah. Um, but one thing that did surprise me, despite Chelsea's kind of, well, I wouldn't call it a regression. I guess you could call it a regression. They've dropped points in seven of their last 11 Premier League games. They've only lost once in 23 games across all competitions. That was at West Ham in December when uh, Mendy had a bit of a wobbly, didn't he? So, you know, they have been reasonably resilient and are capable of kind of keeping things competitive. So, you know, I would favour City, but uh, I think the goal expectancy around 2.85 is is a little bit high here. Um, I think Chelsea and particularly Tuchel will take this game quite seriously and probably revert to previous tactics. He got it things wrong at Stamford Bridge in the reverse game. Uh, I think we'll see a Chelsea team who are quite happy to kind of sit and, and keep their positions and play on the counter-attack, utilise set pieces when necessary. Well, they have looked very strong. Um, and also, obviously they have Lukaku and Timo Werner fit and available uh, who can run the channels as well. So, yeah, I do expect City to win, but... Um, I think you'd uh, I'd combine it with something kind of unders based uh, to get a nice price. 
Great to kick off the year in the company of odds compiler and betting expert Mark Stinchkin. We should just say, by the way, this is a work event, uh, but it is bring your own bets instead of bring your own booze. Uh, Stinch, City, the favourites here, as Mark has alluded to, and he thinks that's uh, along the right lines. I guess if you look at last season... Tuckles Chelsea were able to beat City in three different competitions. Does that factor in at all here for you? Yeah, maybe. I think Mark covered a lot of the points I was going to bring up, but I think it's a very good point you made considering I think Tuchel, especially in the Champions League final, did an excellent job of nullifying Man City. I thought Rhys James, arguably man of the match in that game, his there just seemed to be a wave after wave of attack coming down that side, particularly Raheem Sterling. And Rhys James being you know, a very young, uh, inexperienced player, handled him, handled him amazingly. Um, and obviously going forward this season, Rhys James has been excellent he's second uh, Chelsea for most goals and assists only beaten by Mason Mount you know that's coming from a right wing back which is you know kind of unheard of really um, so I think yeah he's he's obviously a massive miss I just wanted to touch on um, the the absence of uh, Edouard Mendy because I, I assume it will be um, Kepper that will be yeah. in goal and his sort of underlying um, statistics particularly in the Premier League are Shocking, really. We look at um, the goalkeeping for post-shot expected goals minus goals allowed. So essentially it tells us how good the goalkeeper has been at saving um, high-quality chances and low-quality chances. Essentially, Kepa's at, he's into minus double figures. And to put that number in perspective, that's over his whole Premier League career for Chelsea. Put those numbers in perspective. The worst in the Premier League this season is, is Meslier with minus 5.3. So the fact that Kepa is twice that amount, I think, is uh, is alarm bells. But I guess, you know, as Mark's kind of already alluded to, that four is kind of factored in probably to that four to six price. Although having said that, last season before... Um, all the changes that City made after the Champions League game against PSG. City actually opened at four to six before drifting to even money. So you could make a case that maybe that four to six should be shorter, but I'm a little bit apprehensive after the news over the last couple of days regarding a bit of a COVID outbreak at City. Um, so I'm not really a big fan of of getting unders on side in city games just because we, we you know we've seen them score sevens and sixes and fives and uh, at, yeah. at ease really um so I, and then having said all of that against arsenal i thought it was quite interesting the city actually drifted they opened up about eight to 15 and went off about four to six so i think if you want to get city on side i think you could probably play this two ways and they probably play into each other it's probably wait for the teams and we know that City are really ridiculously strong, you know, two world-class players per position almost. But as a result of that, they might drift again. Um, so that would probably be the best time to get on. And I think if they do drift, you know, anything north of, what are they, 1.73 now, if they get anything bigger than, say, 180, 185, that would probably be the, the time to get involved, I would say. Now, we know it's frustrating when you get frozen out of a bet. So Betfair is now offering no cash out suspensions on match odds over under and goal markets on the sportsbook, even during VAR reviews or when there's a penalty. A battle between two totally disillusioned fan bases takes place at Carrow Road as Norwich take on Everton. The Toffees just above evens to win this 2.06 on the exchange, but they've only won five Premier League games all season. Stinch, Norwich are awful. Everton are awful. Are we opposing Everton here? I 
I wouldn't have no way I'm backing Everton at evens. Um, I don't think it's kind of, I, maybe you could argue it's a bit of a free hit, but I'm happy to chance a bigger price and one that I've kind of taken advantage of a few times this season. Um, I think you're absolutely right. It's very risky to be taking a team that's only won five matches all season at evens. So I'm trying to get that Everton on side because I want to oppose Norwich and I'm going to back I think it's, it's quite risky, but I think it's all about price, and I think the price is juicy enough to take. I'm going to back Everton to keep a clean sheet at seven to four, just because I think that's. I think that if you know with with uh, Benitez, I think he'll realise that uh, it's not quite a six pointer, but it's moving towards that way. I know he's been given um, confidence by the board, and I don't think it's that confidence that's like the last sword I do believe that they do want to try and make a bit of a project there um, it looks as though you know he's been able to sign a, a left back for you know nearly 20 million um, so I don't think so I think it is a project that they're that they're um, happy to keep Benitez on side essentially there's not something that they're looking to try and rush and get him away so I think he'll I mean he's got Calvert-Lewin back as well so if you want you know if you if you're a bit unsure about taking the seven to four, maybe you want to back the even money or maybe, you know, maybe just back Calvert learn to score perhaps, or they maybe might not be on penalties. So yeah, I'm just going for something a bit bigger. I mean, you know, Norwich have failed to score in 23 of the last 30 Premier League games, which is, you know, over 75%. That's an extraordinary record, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. I know I may be being a bit um, fast and loose with the truth because that's going back to the second half of the season um, before they obviously won the championship. But I think just their performances and results have just been, you know, chalk and cheese, really. Like, and the fact they've obviously lost Emmy Bundia. Um, Todd Cantwell doesn't look his his self when he has played, and he's. I think he might be a doubt here, but even when he's played, he, you know, he's looked out of sorts. I don't know if that's illness or injury. Um, I think Billy Gilmore's missing as well, and although he's coming for a bit of flack, I think that's completely unfair. I think Mark's uh, alluded to it a few times. You know, he's only a young player. Um, the fact that he's starting for Scotland and Scotland are performing well should tell you all that you need to know that he is a good player and that you should be embracing the fact that you've got him not you know demoralizing him kind of thing um yeah i just think it's incredible and i've mentioned before i think it's really hard to put a number on confidence and i just think confidence for norwich is just absolutely through the floor i didn't watch their game against charlton in the cup but i've got a friend that is a norwich fan he just said they were abysmal in that in that one nil win and charlton you know arguably deserved to win and that's a league one team so i just you know that you could think that maybe that's the game that could give them a bit of a pick up like early in the season I think they played Bournemouth in the cup or a lower league team and they put six past them so you think maybe like last weekend was maybe a good time to you know get a bit of confidence back on board but it just seems to be going the opposite way completely I mean across those 30 games they've only scored nine goals from 287 shots that's one goal every 32 attempts long term you're not going to be successful if you're not failing to put the ball in the net and they're only managing 10 shots per game so that you know that's saying that they need three games to, to score one goal. To get yeah. a goal. Um, and half of those shots are coming from outside the area. And we know, all know that, you know, that's not, you know, you look at the teams that the, the template, shall we say, Man City, Liverpool, etc. The team, the, the way to win football matches long term is to develop high quality chances. It's not taking pot shots from 30 yards. It is trying to get the ball wide, overlap fullbacks, you know, reverse passes, etc., cutbacks. You know, that is the, that is the sort of football template, in my opinion. And yeah, they're just 
I mean, I know before they were able to rely on Pookie, but you know, his his goals have dried up a little bit. And you know, um, if you take away his penalties, I think he's only got two or three goals this season. So if he's not scoring, who is going to score? We've mentioned before about Josh Sargent and Rashika, both been relegated in Germany. So again, I don't think they're the players that then would they should have really gone for maybe in the summer I know maybe budget wasn't that big but I think they might have made a mistake there perhaps sort of personality or attitude wise um, and yeah just under Dean Smith like because obviously a lot of that what was spoken about is under the previous manager but there's just been a real steady decline in terms of chance creation since that opening game against Southampton um, they're averaging just 0.77 expected goals per game and the reason I mention that is if you were to convert that into odds you'd be looking at around about 23 to 20 on Norwich not to score so as I say there's a big discrepancy there between 23-20 and 7-4 I mean that's kind of saying if Norwich are playing an average team I think we're happy to say that Everton are below average but what I would say that maybe I'll be looking about 5-4 to four, sort of or maybe 13-10 to 10. so the fact to go to 7-4 to four, I just think I just think is quite quite nice I mean in the previous meeting Everton won 2-0 Norwich created just one chance greater than 0.06 expected goals in their match and that's just in keeping with the whole Premier League season. So I'm happy to continue down that route. I know Everton haven't been great defensively, but I think there's been mitigating circumstances with players missing. I have to say that I was I think it's quite commendable that they sit 10th for goals conceded away from home. And I think that's quite good considering they've been to half of the top half. They've been to Man City. They put in an excellent defensive performance away to Chelsea. I know Jordan Pickford probably was the main reason, but you know he is the England number one goalkeeper. I'm not saying he necessarily is, you know, a top six player, but you know, he is, he is able to overperform at times. Um, so yeah, just going to continue down, down that route of, of opposing Norwich, but without having to take an even money shot. Blaston Villa lost 1-0 at Manchester United in the FA Cup on Monday. They've got another crack at them at Villa Park in the league on Saturday evening. Villa are the 2-1 outsiders here with United 2.5 on the exchange to take all three points. Mark, where is the value here? Because I thought Villa actually played really well at times in that game at Old Trafford and probably should have scored at least once. Yeah, I thought they were very unfortunate not to score, let alone avoid defeat in that game. And I think that was just a perfect example of well, football being football, it's it's a low-scoring sport, and you don't always get what you deserve. And I think Steven Gerrard and his his team should use that as as fuel, as motivation to to get one over on United this weekend to put things right. Um, so I think backing them with a, a quarter goal start on the Asian handicap, around about one point eight three on the exchange, is is the way to go here. That price has already contracted quite significantly in the last twenty four hours, and I expect it to get a little bit shorter as, as well. Um, I thought they're all over United, even if you exclude the the VAR nonsense. They they did enough to win the game. I thought they played with great belief and positivity and it was quite clear to see now the impact that Gerard has had on that squad. Um, so the only negative I have really is the fact that John McGinn is suspended for this. That is a blow um, but I think the beauty of this handicap is we don't need Villa to actually win the game to pick up some profit. Even if the game ends all square we make a half stakes win. Um, their record so far under Gerard doesn't read too well. Four wins and four defeats but you look at those defeats, very narrow defeats and competitive performances against Liverpool and Man City. Uh, admittedly, Chelsea were very good at Villa Park. The other one was against Brentford. Um, but yeah, I think the the performances against the best two teams in the country is enough encouragement to believe that they can 
give United a really torrid time at a, a kind of fervent Aston, a fervent uh, Villa Park at the weekend. Um, you know, the signings of Coutinho and Luca Dean should really kind of galvanise that support and get get behind them. If you look at, look at expected points since Gerard took charge, uh, Villa are marginally behind United, and United's schedule in that sequence has been much much kinder as well. And there just seems to be a, a very um, somber mood around United at the moment. It's quite ugly actually. Um, performance hasn't haven't really improved since that first 45 minutes against Palace but the reports and, and the leaks from inside the camp about players being disillusioned and unhappy just kind of stinks really um, the guys had a couple of weeks in charge and already the players are chucking their toys out the performances have looked disjointed disconnected disinterested um, McTominay and Shaw are suspended here I'd say McTominay has been probably one of the few bright lights in United's campaign so far I know Maguire is due back or could be back but uh, certainly defensively they require some, some reshuffling um, but yeah it's just a, a weird sort of narrative surrounding United at the moment and look, you, you judge their performance against Aston Villa and, and Wolves recently as well in the Premier League it's been really poor and um I just think they're quite vulnerable here. But weirdly, results since Solskjaer left have been okay. They've won six, drawn three, and lost just once. Uh, but obviously, you know, watch uh, watch those matches with your eyes and United anywhere are nowhere near where they should be. So yeah, I'm taking the Asian handicap approach just because it gives us that bit more insurance and protection. Because at the end of the day, United still do have some seriously talented players, a seriously talented squad, and a coach with a great pedigree, even if he's been uh, kind of uh, disrespected in, in the media by some people who should know better. Better educated media people who are kind of criticising him after a few <laughs> Stinch, weeks. Stinch is gone. Is, is very quiet over there. Um, <laughs> I'm not even aiming at him, but uh, it's just, uh, yeah. I mean, if, if it can't work under certain other coaches, then just you know, kick the guy who's just come in after working minor miracles at previous jobs in Germany. But just because he's he's unknown over here, let's uh, put the boot in. So, yeah, I don't yes, know Stinch. the situation. <laughs> it stinks at Old Trafford at the moment, and I'm happy to oppose him. Uh, shall I give a stint? Shall I give Stinch a right to reply? <laughs> it wasn't even aimed at him before at all. <laughs> no, I mean uh, in the game, I I think I just said I think I was bored of the loving. I think I said, and that was after yes. one match. But actually, the game that I talked about was when Man United visited, visited Norwich and uh, we got a nice winner because Norwich failed to score. So it's all about Everyone's making Everyone's happy. Yeah. Everyone <laughs> wins. You, you can. I think your opinion can be wrong, and you can still win bets. Yes, well, there we go. Uh, we won't build the show around that, I don't think. But, you know, it's nice that it works out sometimes. Now, do you feel that an unfair moment has cost you a winning bet? Then let Dimitar Varbatov know. He's called Dimitar Berbatov, but we've used VAR to call him Varbatov. Incredible. Let Dimitar Varbatov know and you could get your bet paid out. Send any examples over the weekend to at Betfair on social media using the hashtag VARBATOV and the former Spurs and Manchester United striker will make his ruling. Now, Burnley have lost their talismanic centre forward, Chris Wood, to the Newcastle Revolution. And even with him in the squad, they've been averaging under a goal a game. They face an enormous match against darts enthusiasts, Leicester City. Uh, Stinch, Burnley have only won once in the league this season. They've collected just 11 points. In a normal season, they'd be in such trouble by now. But the bottom four in the Premier League are all atrocious. Yeah, it's, it's funny how you, you say that, you know, um, Burnley's points is, is quite a bad total, but I was, think it's quite commendable, really, that they've got 11 points and only won one match. Um, so, you know, <laughs> at least they picked up eight draws, you know, so at least they have been picking it. And I, these points, you know, they could make a big difference at the end of the season, you know, rather than being defeats. 
Um, I don't really want to try and guess um, sort of player availability here. One, because of obviously the, the world that we're currently living in. Um, but at the same time, January transfer window as well, which is always a, a tricky time. I think as the time of recording, Chris Wood's move has been confirmed to, to Newcastle. So they'll be, they'll be without Chris Wood. Um, but I've been very impressed. I mean, I was very surprised in the first place that Maxwell Cornet went to Burnley in the first place. I'm not sure um, how much he's enjoying having swapped, uh, you know, Leon for living in a Burnley. No dis- disrespect to Burnley. I'm just saying, you know, long term, I'm thinking, how is that move going to develop? You know, is he just going to be there for a season? What was the vision that was kind of sold to him kind of thing, you know, because it's not as if Burnley, I think just what is it once, even though that is really good that, you know, Burnley got into Europe. I doubt that he, Sean Dyche sat there and said, look, Maxwell, you know, we're looking at making sixth or something like that in the next two or three seasons. So, you know, maybe it's money motivated, but I know Burnley's finances aren't the greatest. So, yeah, I find it very bizarre, you know, because, I mean, he was scoring Champions League goals the season before against Man City and knocking Man City out of the Champions League from left wing back. Um, so completely out of position and he's just showed how good he's been playing as a striker and so I think Leon missed a trick a little bit there keeping hold of him Uh, I know no Jamie Vardy for a few months no Leicester but you know I've Really, really like Leicester going forward. You know, got such a, a, a array of attacking talent, and James Madison's really hit the hit the ground running again. Um, in a great run of form at the moment, he's got like eight or nine goals in sort of the last ten or fifteen games. Um, so I'm happy to jump on goals, even though I know there's absentees. But I just think both teams defensively have just looked really weak this season and you know um, I think Leicester as well one of the things I really like backing overs in Leicester games is they're capable of scoring three themselves so you haven't got to worry about both teams contributing Um, in actual fact saying that when Burnley played Brentford I think the goal line was two in that game and Burnley actually won 3-0 so again I think Burnley are capable of doing it themselves so yeah just continuing down the route of Leicester goals really I mean Looking at the last uh, 33 Premier League games, 25 have gone over 2.5, which is strike rate of 76%. And overs here is chalked up as 50-50, both um, 17 to 20 the pair. So yeah, very happy to to take it when when it's, I say it's chalked up as almost you know a coin flip. Um, it's just five clean sheets for Leicester in those 33 games and they've conceded at least two goals in 10 of the last 14. So I think it should give Burnley real confidence that, you know, this is this is a game that they can convert one of these draws into wins, I think. Really look to take advantage. I mean, Leicester have failed to keep a clean sheet in the last 16 away games. You know, for a team that's got, you know, sights on maybe getting into the top four, to, to not keep a clean sheet in, in 16 away games is, is terrible, isn't it, really? I mean, in this run of 33 games, there's been 119 goals in the games, which is 3.61 per game. And we're looking at a goal line of two and a half. I mean, the odds here suggest we're just going to see 2.7 goals. Leicester's games, I had a look at the underlying numbers. Leicester's games are averaging 3.4 expected goals per game. Burnley are up at 2.9. So again, both are well above that 2.7. Um, Burnley games at Turf Moor haven't been the kind of what I would uh, associate with typical Burnley. You know, tight, try and nick a goal at the other end. Seven of the last 11 have gone over two and a half. And actually, games involving these two teams usually are quite goal heavy, which is surprising. Seven of the last eight have seen both teams score six of the last eight have seen over two and a half goals and there's been 24 goals across those eight games so three per game yep so over 2.5 goals here 
If you listen very carefully, you can hear a clicking. And what that is, is the Burnley Tourist Board furiously drafting an email to Stinch right now. Let's hop over to the continent because Bundesliga champions Bayern are away to Köln this weekend. Now, a severely weakened Bayern lost at home to Borussia Mönchengladbach last weekend. And although they do have a few players back, like Manuel Neuer and Leroy Sané, we think as well, they do look a touch too short, maybe at 1.38 at a Köln side that's been excellent this season under Stefan Baumgart. Or am I wrong, Marco Hare? My temptation would be to maybe give Köln a goal start. But what do you think? Uh, yeah, possibly. Um, I personally think uh, Bayern very rarely sort of uh, trip up uh, twice in a matter of weeks. And I think, um, yeah, it was a skeleton side against Gladbach last week and uh, obviously Gladbach, the bogey team. But um, still think they had enough quality on the pitch to, to get a result in that game and probably should have won that match, uh, you know, kind of in hindsight. But um, They did yeah, have I some children on the pitch, though, to be <laughs> they fair. Did, they did. <laughs> but I, I think you look at the the squad this week, um, we know that Manuel Neuer, Upamecano, uh, Omar Richards, Sane and Alfonso Davies have all trained this week. Whether all of them will be involved or not, we don't know, but certainly they've been training at least. We know that Neuer and Hernandez were isolating in the Maldives last weekend, so they weren't there able were to There were worse Exactly, that did make me laugh. But um, yeah, it was um, square pegs and round holes at some places, and that might be the case again this weekend in, in defence and the midfield pivots, but uh, up top they'll be as strong as ever, really. Lewandowski, Muller, Muziala and Gnabry, uh, possibly Sane even, uh, but uh, you know, very, very strong. So yeah, this is a tricky game on paper, but Bayern do have a, a very, very good record against Kern. And um, I thought kind of just a, an odd team for me this season. They're, they're moving in the right direction, but um, you know, I love Stefan Baumgart, but they've only lost four games all season, which is quite remarkable considering they've kept one clean sheet in the Bundesliga all season. It just That's doesn't make sense. Away. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's mad. Um, so they've only failed to score on three occasions. And I think, you know, it's it's no secret Anthony Modest is in superb form and his uh, aerial ability could cause this Bayern team plenty of problems um, but yeah there's more threats outside of Modeste as well so Bayern have to be on guard and, and look Bayern do not keep clean sheets away from home in the Bundesliga just the one all season so immediately you're drawn towards goals well, I am at least uh, both teams to score has been the right bet in seven of Kern's nine at home and seven of Bayern's eight away uh, but ultimately Bayern have, have won 14 of 18 Bundesliga games this season they're not going to be a million miles off kind of full strength or a very strong 11 um, here and I just think they're going to bounce back after what they did last week so um was it Build or Kicker had the, the headline about uh, kind of thanks COVID because uh, it kind of brought the title race back into some sense ah, of built, yes, that was it built, yes. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's still a big gap between Bayern and Dortmund and I think they'll be quite keen to kind of reassert their dominance on the league by, by win, winning this match. So a massive boost, I think, from uh, from 1.38 on Bayern to win away uh, to Bayern to win and both teams to score, which is 2.38. Um, when you consider Bayern to win and over two and a half goals, it's still only around 1.57. I think there's a big increase considering Cohen's record of scoring and Bayern's record of keeping clean sheets. Um, yeah, I, I expect a shootout and I think Bayern will come out on top. Should be a very exciting game, whatever happens. Let's head to France because perennially underwhelming Liga leaders Paris Saint-Germain are facing Brest. The hosts are 1.23 to win. Stinch, where are we going with this one? 95th minute winner for Paris, I'm assuming. <laughs> I mean, it's funny you say like underwhelming and they're 11 points clear. It just goes to show the gulf against the rest of the league, right? It's crazy. Um, you can count on the fingers of one hand games where they've looked really, really good all the way through the game. Yeah, and that's kind of the route I'm going down here. 
you know, PSG are around one to five and you fully expect them to win, but you expect them to give up chances to the opposition. And I think, you know, being able to back PSG to win and both teams to score at five to four, uh, you know, over a unit bigger is just, you know, a really nice way to go. I mean, they've won 14 games this season, 11 of, of them have seen both teams scored. And it's no surprise when, when, when we watch them and just see how disjointed they are. I mean, they actually concede the 10th most shots per game in Liga, which just isn't in keeping with a team that's miles clear of the league of everybody else. But they work so hard without the ball. How's that happening? <laughs> um, I mean, it just goes to show that, you know, the what PSG, like second favourites for Champions League after Messi moved, you know, around about three to one, seven to two, just goes to show. I mean, obviously they still could go on and win, but uh, I don't think it's a very good, uh, you know, obviously they've drifted to sort of 13 to two, seven to one, which is obviously much closer to, than the true prize. But, you know, remember, I think back to sort of what five, six years ago when they beat Barcelona 4-0 at home and then lost 6-1 away in the new Camp. I just think they're very capable of doing that against Europe's elite. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so we just, you know, fully expect them to win Liga, um, but not in a in a manner that is that is associated with a team of superstars the fact that they give up all these chances I mean what one thing I liked here I mean originally I looked at both teams to score um, which is around about 8 to 11 because um, Brest have been really good in this regard 75% of their games this season have seen both teams to score including 100% of their away games and the reverse fixture finished 4-2 so it this won't have hold any sort of nerves for, for Brest here, I don't think. I think they will be able to take advantage of when PSG give them, you know, these chances. You know, PSG giving up 11 shots per game. Put that in, you compare that to Man City, 6.7. You know, it's nearly twice as many. And I would say, you know, PSG are the Man City of Liga, if you like. So, yeah, I think I think PSG will, will win just because they have got the better quality and are able to score from low quality opportunities. But I would be very surprised if they don't give up decent chances against Brest. And I think Brest are capable of taking advantage. And at the same time, obviously, Brest have been very porous away from home as well. Um, so, yeah, just trying to make just trying to make this sort of one to five and eight to 11 into into a bigger price. And I think the five to four is quite juicy. Well, Saint-Étienne is a famous club with a poor team attached to it, although at least much despised coach Claude Puel has finally gone. Uh, Les Verts rock bottom as they face a Lens team that's a genuine contender for European qualification. Mark, I'm a little surprised to see that Lens are trading at odds against here. 2.2 when I looked at them. Yeah, me too. Um, I think there's a lot going in their favour coming into this match and a lot going against Saint-Étienne as well. Um, you mentioned Puel's sacking. That came after a 5-0 thrashing by Rennes. Uh, Pascal Dupraz has since been given the, the job. Um, his first two games ended in defeat without scoring against Rams and Nantes before the winter break. And you know, This is their first game in the new year. They're hoping that he's had some time on the training pitch to galvanise things and organise them into a bit more of a competitive beast, if you like. Um, they've made a couple of signings pretty mediocre mediocre ones at least but uh, yeah I'm quite keen to, to oppose them again um, Blondes as we know are very decent I've got them ranked fourth on expected points third on expected goals ratio they're averaging 0.5 xg more than their opposition on a per game basis which is a, a really strong supremacy figure um, we know that the majority of their best work is done at home but I think circumstances here are, are favourable for them uh, St Etienne rock bottom two wins all season rank inside the bottom three across all the major performance data metrics including expected points and their xg supremacy figure for, per game sits at uh, minus 0.47 
So immediately there, you've basically got a goal of XG difference between the two teams per game. Uh, St. Etienne, they've won once at home in 10. They've failed to score in their last four. One clean sheet all season, can see 2.11 goals per game on average. So with those numbers in mind, you expect Lens to score, and they have scored in 17 of their 20 league games already this season. But the, the icing on the cake here really for me is the team news. Uh, Sont are missing or could be missing up to eight players. Five of them are at AFCON, including three players, Wabi Karasari, Dennis Boanga and Saidu So. Those three make up 70% of their goals total so far in Liga on this season. Uh, as we know, Kazri and Boanga are definitely massive, massive misses yep. for St. Etienne. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a really tough test for, for De Praz here. And uh, I think Lons are, are very appealing uh, to get something from this game. But uh, as usual, I'll be a little bit more conservative than, than anyone else. And I'm going to back Lons minus a quarter on the Asian handicap which just means um, if the game ends in a draw we only lose half of our stake and we get paid out as a winner at 1.81 if Lons do win away at St Etienne. Well now it's time for the world famous podcast treble a betting feature so famous that Michelangelo is believed to have painted the details of his acca on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel only for Pope Julius II to then demand that he paint over it which is why you can't see it anymore uh, for the lawyers by the way no screw the lawyers Michelangelo has been dead for hundreds of years what's he going to do uh, so the way this works is that each of the three of us uh, pick a selection and our lovely traders wrap them up in a boosted treble. I'm going to start. I'm going to chuck in West Ham to beat Leeds at 1.68. West Ham have won four of the last six at home in the league, just beat Leeds at home in the Cup, saw off Norwich on Wednesday. Leeds on a poor run in general this season, but especially away from home. So I'm going to put that in at 1.68. I'm going to go with Mark O'Hare next. Um, I'm going to take Aston Villa double chance against Manchester United so Villa not to lose in that match and Stinch take us home I'm going to go for over two and a half goals in Burnley Leicester because it's chalked up as a sort of 50-50 shot and given it's going to get boosted it'll be close to even money and I think that's quite nice when Leicester's games are averaging 76% over two and a half and we're getting close to even money Probably a stupid thing for me to say, but I've got a good feeling about that one. So that's killed it. Stone dead. Uh, That's all we have time for on Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Lots of other shows to keep an eye on. NFL Only Better as we move towards the playoffs. So we've also got a couple of racing shows as well. Racing Only Better in the Wading podcast. And there's Cricket Only Better as well. From Stinch, from Mark and from me, it's goodbye for now. Thank you.